0: The following program is sponsored by Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. Views and opinions expressed are not those of this station, its owner, staff, or management. You're listening to the Golden State Report. Here's your host, Sacramento's leading real estate agent, Mike Gray.
1: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. So happy that you have tuned in this weekend. And I have two great show hosts with me. I have Amy DeBust from Finance of America. Hi, everybody. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group.
2: Oh, it's going to be a good show. I can tell oh, already. it is.
1: It is. As, as we were preparing for the mics to get hot, I just I just even can't share the things that they were talking about. It right? was just, we're
2: just having fun. We're just having <laughs> yeah. a good time.
3: Getting the energy going for the That's show. That's right. Oh, so yes. We can share it with our <laughs> listeners.
1: Usually when that kind of energy is in the room, I cannot control you, too.
3: <laughs> it's going to be
1: a good show. Absolutely. We
3: spew out lots
1: of knowledge. Okay, we'll call it knowledge, all right? But This is where where our listeners do turn into to get knowledge and wisdom on the Sacramento real estate market every week. We try to give you the latest and greatest news. And I'm probably going to sound like a stuck record. But it is just a sizzling red hot seller's market. And it's just continuing great guns for all sellers out there. So,
2: when you're talking about a, a record, is that one of those black things that spun around? No, on no, a no, wheel? no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. I'm trying to remember. No, no, it just means that you put your house on the market, do a good job with pictures, and uh, you're going to have multiple offers within 24 hours.
2: It's just amazing what's going on right now. It I, is. I'm just, I have the hardest time. I'm. People are calling people in their neighborhoods. I mean, trying my to, wife got an email the yeah. other day. Hey, you want to sell your house? You know, it's you crazy. trying to find
1: houses to list. Buy it. I mean, we have, for every house out there, we have more than a half a dozen buyers very active, ready to move on that house almost immediately. Wow. Well,
3: and it is record highs, too. I mean, when you look at the price points that are selling, Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think we've ever seen these price points in any of the areas in the the Sacramento Valley. Right,
1: right. You could almost expect uh, for a listing that's priced to the nearest comp that it will sell from anywhere from five to fifteen percent over asking price.
2: So there's so many people out here that are listening to this show and they are they're interested in real estate. That's why they're listening to the show, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. they're listening and they're saying, when is this gonna stop? I mean <laughs> They're thinking, okay, there's so few houses, right? We've talked about supply and demand and that supply is low. There's fewer homes. But, Mike, I mean, how long is this low inventory of the homes going to last?
1: That's a great question. You know, there's two questions we want to address in this. And the second question is, will we ever give back the appreciation that we have? So let's address the first question first. Okay, we, have, sure. we, a, we have a record low amount of inventory and we have a record number of buyers trying to buy that small amount of inventory. That's why there is such pressure on every home that hits the market. Right. Multiple offers going su- substantially over asking price. Uh, I'm just going to use just generic numbers. So let's take any any zip code you want in the Sacramento Valley. Just say that in a normal March we have a hundred listings that come on during March. Okay. Well, in 2021 we have 25. So we're missing about 75 percent of our listings.
2: That drives up the price
1: for sure. It does. 75
3: yeah, percent of our listings in some missing. in some
1: markets it's probably closer to 60 percent as an average. But we have a record low amount of inventory. So a lot of in a normal year we would have a hundred in any zip code. And now we're having, you know, 25 to 35. And so when people sell in the state of California, there's a variety of reasons that people sell. Um, they're going for a, a job. They have a job relocation. They're moving to, a, they're retiring, leaving state. They want to move up. They want to move down. They want to be closer to family. Perhaps they're going through a divorce, different life situations. There are a multitude of reasons that people put their house on the market.
3: Which will always be those
1: reasons. Yes, and those, sure. and those reasons are... They're not really tied to the pandemic. What the pandemic has done is caused a lot of people just to kind of put everything on pause. All right. And so they're kind of hunkering down. And also if they, if they're thinking about maybe moving up or moving down, it's kind of scary putting your house on the market. If you don't know for sure where you're going to go, because you're going to have so much competition in the house you, you want to buy. But those reasons haven't gone away. And so sometime in the future, If if we have 30 homes on the market when we're supposed to have 100, so we're missing 70, those 70 homes, a good portion of those will come back on the market. So sometime down the road, we'll have more of an ebb and flow of of more listings than than we have right now.
3: I would venture to say, too, that there are still going to be enough buyers, but the demand is not going to be so so intense intense and unprecedented where – you know, you're going to see what we're seeing right now, which is offers that are fifty to a hundred thousand dollars over the list.
2: Oh price. yeah, yeah.
1: And, and so then the next question, which a lot of, I mean, I talked to a couple of listeners this past week, and they said, "Well, I am going to wait until the market corrects itself and comes back down to reality." Mm. Good luck on that. Yeah. What? Well, I don't know for sure if uh, the new wherever reality is uh, down the road. I don't know for sure if we're going to give back that pretty significant appreciation that we have gained in this last, you know, six months or even the last three or four years. But there's been like in the first quarter of 2021, we have rec- we have had record appreciation because we have r- just record prices that people are paying for a- for a house that sold, you know, 15 percent cheaper just three months ago. I'm sure it's driving the appraisers just absolutely crazy trying to figure they can't out keep up, I'm uh, sure. where that where the actual market market is. But I don't think our pool of buyers is going to necessarily just go away. Even if we double our inventory, tripled our inventory, we the pandemic has, to, there is a cultural shift here. And there are a lot of buyers looking to relocate to the Sacramento Valley. And so I, I firmly believe, now th- there may be some downward pressure if all of a sudden we have a splurge of listings hit. And, pe- and buyers perhaps can be a bit more selective. And you may not have multiple offers immediately whenever a house hits the market. But I don't think we'll have that downward depreciation type of pressure. That will be very significant at all. So the appreciation that we have gained since the beginning of 2021 I think is here to stay. And uh, it's going to continue for at least the next foreseeable future. When
2: you think about the tripling of the inventory, in your example, that only takes us to 75.
1: Yeah, great.
2: So – we're still 25% below where we would be in a normal market in the month of March. Well,
1: just, you know, my most recent listing within 48 hours, we had 13 offers and some people chose not to write an offer. So let's just say that we had out of those 13, we still had another four or five very interested buyers that just decided not to write an offer. That's 17 within 24 hours for one house. And
3: how many of those buyer or those offers from Bay area people?
1: Uh, you know that can that can kind of ebb and flow it kind of kind of depends upon the zip code more than anything else, but in, in one of the nicer zip codes, uh, at least forty percent of those offers are from Bay Area people uh just trying to relocate because of the pandemic we 've discussed that you know, right. our, many, you know times. many times on a radio show, but we also have a lot of you know people trying to move up, trying to move to a different location within the Sacramento Valley. Uh, there are people who are trying to downsize, but they're afraid to even put their house on the market because of will they be able to find – You know, I talked to a couple of people who are thinking about selling, and I said, well, we can put your house on the market, and we can con- make it contingent upon you finding you know, a replacement home. Right. And so then they asked me point blank, well, what's my chance of finding a replacement home? I said, I'll find you one. I just don't know for sure if you like the price you may have to pay for it. Right. 'cause there's I mean, I don't it's almost any price point now there is just significant competition for that house once it hits the market.
2: So so just kind of to be clear for our listeners, we're talking about the Sacramento region, Northern California on the southernmost part, what would you say?
1: Oh you can go down to Modesto and Turlock. All, oh All, down that far. Yeah, and, and you're going and to, then to north to Chico? city? Oh yeah, you go you go up to Reading and Red Bluff. It's not oh, quite, even that far back. It's not quite the competition, but they also don't have the inventory either. So, okay. So, so
2: yeah. we have we have this price elevation that we've seen, and I'm just thinking in terms of you know, are we going to get to a point where there will be giving back. You said we're not going to give back much, but, I mean, can you give us – maybe we think more about that, talk more about it in the next yeah. segment. But that, that to me it seems like that's the thing that people are looking at. They're waiting for that, but who can time the market? Yeah. People are having a hard time to and do I'll,
1: that. And right? I'll talk about timing real quick before we talk about something else in the next segment. But i got to take a break here. But if you have any questions, you can give me a call, 530-431-8586. Again, 530-431-8586. We're going to continue this discussion,
0: so please stay tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly, 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Gray. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report,
1: heard every Week on FM 105.5 and AM 1380. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty along with David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. It's always a pleasure. And Amy DeBusk from Finance of America. Hello, everybody. And we had a pretty lively discussion on that first segment on how long this red-hot, sizzly market is going to last, and we all pretty much came to the determination, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it will, it always ebbs and flows, and so, but it's not going to last forever. Then the last the question we were kind of just, we ended on is that, well, is this a good time to buy? Right. Should, should I wait? And, you know, I had that question several times this week. And this is what I tell anybody who asked me that question. You know what? If you can afford the payments, all right, that's the first consideration. And this house will meet the needs of you, your family. Uh, I can't tell you if it's the top of the market. I can't tell you if it's the bottom of the market. I can't tell you necessarily what the market is going to do in the next year. But I can tell you that real estate is a good investment. And if you can afford it and it meets your needs, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger because you'll be able to – Enjoy the home. You can have your holidays there. If you have a family, you can raise your family there. You get the joy of the use of an investment that long term is going to make you money.
3: And not only that, let's remind everybody interest rates are still low. <laughs>
1: We're yes, still, they are. And you know, how low if, can <laughs> they go? If you're
3: buying right now, you're taking advantage of those low right? interest rates right. and you're able to. Uh, Afford more of a home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, qualify for a bigger loan amount.
2: Yeah, ultimately it, for your primary cash. Yeah, ultimately for your primary residence, you're looking at can I afford it? Yeah, and do I have the time? How much? How long do I plan on being in a home? Now things happen, surprises happen, right? But let's just say for some somebody ends up living in their home for 30 years, right? Now they're a senior, Amy, and they have this limited amount of income that they have coming in because they're now retired. Exactly. Um I know we were talking briefly about something that's fairly new that's a it's a unique way maybe that that people have heard about reverse mortgages generally speaking but tell us a little bit about what You and I were talking about and and reading about together.
1: Finance of America has a a new loan product. Yes,
3: we do. Well, um, it's not out yet. This is our sneak preview of our um, product that um, has been under product development. And you heard it here Uh, first, everybody. The
2: Golden State (laughs) Report.
3: Um, Yes, and Finance of America has some some, actually several unique products um, that they have on the line and coming out soon. But this one is called the Equity Avail.
2: Ooh, sounds very, very cool.
3: It does sound cool. like that name. Avail, equity Avail, as in avail. Equity
2: is Available? Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it.
3: And so it's it's a kind of a hybrid um, reverse mortgage. Um, it's it, it, You don't have to be as old. So reverse mortgages, you have to be 62 years or older. And uh, for this product, you only have to be 60 years old.
1: Uh-oh, I'm getting close to that. I know. I, I, uh, I, no comment on this <laughs>
3: Right, we won't talk to you about our age, right, Mike?
1: I'm
2: right. not as close as Mike, but oh, actually, is... maybe I am as close as you, no, but just in not. a
1: different way. No, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, can, tell us about your oh, loan my program. So. Oh, we're loving so, it.
3: I just want everybody, you know, to kind of think about this and uh, um, know that you know there are other options if you're getting close to retirement. And you maybe want to work part time, um, not have to work as hard um, if you're self-employed or straight commissioned and you're 60 years old. um, There are some requirements for the loan, but basically, in a nutshell, what it offers is um, for the first 10 years of this mortgage, it's a reduced payment payment. Course, you have to pay your property taxes and your homeowners insurance, and that's true even with the reverse mortgage. You still have to pay your property taxes and your homeowners insurance, right? Um, but um, but this allows for a reduced reduction in the mortgage payment for the first 10 years of the loan, and then it goes straight into a reverse mortgage where you don't pay anything at all after the first 10 years.
2: So, in that situation, if somebody were working from 60 to 70 years old and they did it when they were 60, at 70. It would go to a straight... It would be straight, re- straight reverse mortgage.
3: Where, where you don't have any mortgage payment at all.
2: So I have a, I have a couple questions for you. Is that okay if I yeah. ask? Yeah. Okay, so um, usually in a reverse mortgage, I know I've heard you tell me that if we have about 54% equity in the home generally yes. just kind of an on average yes. that that would be one where we could be eligible for reverse mortgage is yes. the number different on this program can they have a little less equity or do they still need to have about 50% or more equity in the in the property to be able to do this
3: so the program hasn't actually rolled out yet oh, so I'm just and we're just so, going to be uh,
2: assuming or guessing at this point
3: <laughs> I'm going to I'm I'm going to I'm going to assume I'm not going to assume I'm going to I'm going to Let's see. Project that you probably wouldn't need as much equity, yeah. just because you are making a partial payment.
2: That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's why I asked the question. Um,
3: but the algorithms, I'm sorry, the algorithms for this product will be built into our software system, which I'm okay. sure they're building right now. So it's coming out in April and so I'll be able to play around with that in April with the numbers and okay. plug in some an age, you know, age sixty and, you know, X amount of dollars and their value of their home and this is how much they owe and um, see what that numbers look like. Okay. See what those numbers look okay, like.
1: Okay. Uh, here's a question for you. Does this program make sense to somebody who owns their house free and clear? Absolutely. Because I mean because they don't have to make any interest well, payments. So So so, so poss-
3: uh, possible uh, Let me retract that statement. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of this, this program is a reduced reduction Correct. in payments right. at so. age 60. So if you own your house free and clear, you would really have to wait until you're 62 years old. And then with reverse mortgage, there's lots of things we can do with a home that's owned free and clear to get you access to your equity through a regular reverse mortgage. Correct. Okay. Um, we can do, um, they don't like to call it this, but annuitized payments right. where you get a monthly income from the reverse mortgage. Mortgage. Or we can do a lump sum um, where you get cash out at the reverse mortgage stage right. when we do that, when okay. we put that loan in place.
1: And there are pros and cons to both. Right. And this is a fascinating absolutely. fascinating new program you have. Here's another question for you. Is, is that um, when you pay a partial interest payment, is that fixed then or does that fluctuate?
3: Um, you know what? And that's to be determined as well. I okay. mean, with the reverse mortgage, I can only tell you what we have so far with the reverse mortgages. With reverse mortgages, there are several different options. We have a fixed more, fixed rate option on the reverse mortgage. Um, but with the fixed rate mortgage, more, reverse mortgage, you only get the option of having no mortgage payment or having a lump sum. Um an adjustable rate reverse mortgage is the only product that allows for monthly income. So you Mm. have to subject yourself to an adjustable rate mortgage on a reverse mortgage to get a monthly income.
2: That would be something I would be saying for that very reason, because we're in such a low interest rate environment, I would definitely steer away from an adjustable at this point. And my, my professional opinion, very, unbiased third party just looking at the outside in, if you can lock in a low rate like you can now, um, why would anybody go to an adjustable to take an annuity when you just take the income out? Well,
3: because there are um, advantages of doing an an annuity type um, adjustable rate mortgage because not only does it give you a monthly income, but it also gives you a... it's a growing lump sum of money mm-hmm. that grows with the, um, the interest that just sits there and accumulates. So after the first year, you can access more money of your equity as a lump sum on an adjustable rate mortgage. And I've really ABC'd and 123 <laughs> but that. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like there needs there to be are, some numbers crunched. There, there's options. Yeah. There's more options and flexibility for the future for accessing your equity on an adjustable rate reverse mortgage. Yeah.
2: So, for people that are thinking, you know, those that are seniors, mm-hmm. I think this is, they're listening to the program, they're thinking, what should we buy? Should we sell? Should we keep where we are and maybe use the income or equity that we have? Um, maybe you could address, and I know that people have different levels of understanding of a reverse mortgage generally. Can you address just kind of the old school was you pretty much give yep. up the house. So talk about what's so, different now with the reverse mortgages and to the, to their yep. heirs, for example.
3: Any scary thing that you've ever heard about reverse mortgages where they take your house, you lose your house. Um that that all used to be true back in the sixties, um before the government came in and regulated the reverse mortgage it, there was private sector lenders out there that were horrible and did horrible things to our elderly mm-hmm. um, clients. So, anyway, back in the um, I want I can't sixties or seventies, the federal government came in and did a complete reform of the reverse mortgage. And this is a this is a federally funded um, program. So this is okay. FHA, the Federal Housing Administration backs all reverse mortgages. So. That being said, there is very strict rules that come into play. And you can sell your house after you have a reverse mortgage. You'll get the equity. You'll get just like if you sold if you had a forward mortgage. You would get whatever um, equity you had in the house at that time. You'd get that back. Um, let's say you pass away or you have to exit the property because you have to go to a nursing home. And your family needs to sell. Well, your family can sell the house and they'll get the um, the asset and the equity out of the house just by selling. Um, and they typically have six months to sell after um, you've passed.
1: Yeah, or after you've vacated the house for yep. a variety of reasons. Yep. The bottom line is that the reverse mortgage today in, in 2021 is a real legitimate tool yeah. for, for senior citizens to be able to access the equity in their house without having to do a major refinance just to, for another 30-year mortgage that's amortized out or sell their property
3: or or have a tax implication right. there's no there's no income tax implication right. so for accessing your equity. If yeah. you
1: have any questions at all, Amy is our expert, she can answer and of course there are different products that will match different people, but give us a call 530-431-8586, I'll put you in touch with Amy. Again, 530-431-8586. We're going to be right back after this break. Please stay
0: tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Ray.
3: David Stone is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., broker-dealer member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Stone Consulting Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with Amy DeBusk from Finance of America.
2: Hi, Mike. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. The Stone Group. Consulting Group. You know, it's interesting. I hear that lady every single time when we have the disclosure, disclaimer, I don't yeah, know what she you She just call rattles
1: it. that right off, doesn't she? Man, yeah, she's just, I can not know how she talks so fast. <laughs> very she, impressive. Very, very Impressive. Very just, impressive just as impressive as the stone consulting Group. oh well thank you very mike mike, mike <laughs> uh, thank you very
2: much gray <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. oh it's getting good in okay already. but I,
1: I i got a kind of a tough question for you david you know you are our, um, at least in my mind my our resident investment guru i mean i trust you explicitly when it comes to some of these very hard things to understand when it comes to long-term financial investments And I know that one thing that you talk about, and when I first met with you, you said, okay, we need to determine uh, your risk tolerance because that determines the type of investments that you recommend. Absolutely. And I I was kind of amazed at how you figured that out. But So how do you determine how much risk a, a potential investor really has? I know that Amy has a different risk tolerance than I do. And some of it's age related. Uh, she's much, much younger. And
3: <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. I thought,
1: uh, I'll get away with that. One. <laughs> yes, you're making her feel really yeah, good. Yeah. And so, but she she may not have uh, as much risk tolerance as I do. I, I might have a, a greater risk tolerance. So it's, sometimes it's not necessarily age related. So when somebody comes into your office and they interview you, and you interview them. I'm sure that's one thing that you're trying to determine.
2: Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I probably say 90 percent of the time when I'm having a conversation with somebody who I've, we've just met, I'm just – and I ask like – I'll just ask Amy. Amy, have you been adequately, adequately compensated for the risk that you're taking in your investment portfolio right now? No. Are you being rewarded for the risk you're taking? No. You, so you're not even quite sure, right? So that's, oh, no, I know
3: I'm you not. You know, you're not. <laughs> so most most
2: people are unsure, yeah, right? because I, I, I would say, I don't know. Yeah, they're unsure of kind of where they are in terms of the amount of risk that they're taking and whether or not they're actually being compensated in terms of return for that risk. Mm -hmm. So there is, um, without getting too technical for your question, um, but there is a a, a strategy called the Efficient Frontier Model. Okay, so the Efficient Frontier actually we can plot on a graph – where you should be based on the amount of risk that you're taking. And um, we find often that most people are taking uh, probably more risk than they thought they were taking, and many people are not being compensated for the risk they're taking. And so that's –
1: So they're not getting the return.
2: They're not getting the return that they should be getting if they were adequately invested and appropriately asset allocated to a portfolio that meets – where they should be in their particular situation. So
1: there's, there's really two questions that kind of tie in. Okay, so how do I determine what my risk tolerance is, you know, what I'm comfortable with? I like that word better, well, yeah. well, well, how much risk I'm comfortable with. Sure. And once I determine that, I, I don't even know which investments match that type of comfort. Yeah. So sense?
2: yeah, there there's investment selection, which talks about specifically the types of securities, or you know whether it's bonds or stocks or some form of real estate equities versus fixed income securities. Um, there's that. So you're the investment selection, and then there's the strategy selection or asset allocation ser- selection. So asset allocation meaning how do I have my money invested? And interestingly enough, it's not just like well, it's just asset allocation. There is strategic asset allocation there is tactical asset allocation and then there is dynamic asset allocation which is combination of strategic and tactical so we get into that kind of discussion and oh, all of a sudden people are going i have no idea what you're talking about i, I was just going to say that well, you, so you, you there, took the words out a of my mouth
3: definition of strategic tactical and and
2: dynamic? and dynamic yeah so i mean in the in the book Chapter Four in the Power of a Plan, the, yes. my my book that I authored in two thousand sixteen. Yes, the title of the investment chapter is "Are you sailing, or rowing, or both?" So the reality is the tactical. I'm rowing. I know yeah.
3: I am. I'm working. So <laughs>
2: you're you're kind of more of a pure tactical investor, probably where you you're you. If you're rowing completely, you don't have a, you don't have a little maybe mini use, sail on your maybe,
3: boat. Maybe I use that as a metaphor.
2: <laughs> She's rowing, but um,
3: <laughs> are the rowers the one that are in the workforce?
2: Uh, the if rowers you're sailing,
3: are. You're not working.
2: Well, again, this is an investment metaphor, not I'm I'm uh, oh, okay, working on the railroad. <laughs> <laughs> so <all right. laughs> I'm happy. I made Amy happy. So let's talk about risk again. Okay. So the reality is there's so there's so many different. types. Types of investments that you can use and how you actually Manage those investments that make up and, a, and adjust your risk. Okay. So, the first thing we would do there's, there's a bunch of tools that we have when we measure risk, Mike. You kind of ask mm-hmm. the question, so how do we figure that out? So, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Sure. Um, and, or maybe you know, instead of putting you on the spot and asking the questions, I'm so not sure you want to tell the world, but I'm just going to go through a few. But I break risk down when I'm talking to clients into two categories one is your capacity to take risk. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? R- risk capacity really addresses how much money do I have? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can I afford to have some s- significant ups and downs? How long is my time horizon? Mm-hmm. Um, what is my savings to income ratio? In other words, how much do I have set aside for investments? And when I say savings, I mean anything liquid, retirement accounts, stocks, Correct. bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, mm-hmm. um, you know, annuities, whatever thing I would consider a liquid asset. Mm-hmm. And then what is your income? So that's savings-to-income ratio. Then we're also looking at something called a solvency ratio, which really, you know, Amy would deal with this all the time with, with mortgages, but basically it's it's what's my debt to my debt savings.
3: Debt-to-income debt ratio, or debt-to-savings. So in this
2: case, debt. it's a debt-to-savings debt instead savings of a debt-to-income. You deal with debt-to-income yeah. all the time, right? So yeah. the debt-to-savings debt to mm-hmm. ratio or debt-to-liquid-investments ratio. So that helps us kind of get an idea of the capacity. And so, you know, one of the questions is, When do you expect to begin withdrawing money from your investments? Well, if it's for over 10 years, that's going to increase your capacity. If you say, well, I need to get a bunch of money out in 12 months, then that reduces your risk, right? So it reduces your capacity to get to the money. Once you start taking the money out, question two, when you start taking the money out um, of your investments, how long do you expect those withdrawals to last? Well, if somebody says, well, I'm going to pull it all out in one year – That is more risky, and you need to be more conservative. So if somebody says, oh, I'm going to draw it out for the rest of my life, and I'll live more than 10 years, so then that that Mm -hmm. kind of changes things up a little bit. Um, I actually would be looking at um, also, well, right now, what's your cash flow like? Does your monthly income fall short, meet, or exceed your monthly expenses? So that helps me know, okay, they will be fine because they make a good money, they're, they're living be below what they're making, so they have excess capital, so they have more time, they won't be needing to dig into the money, so that gives us more capacity. Uh, and then kind of their vision, your vision for the next five years. Where do you see yourself five years from now in terms of your income and your earnings? And then be outside of the investment portfolio. So when we get into your attitude, that's the second area. The first area is capacity. The second area is your attitude about risk. So how do you feel? So that's the warm, touchy-feely stuff, Amy, uh-huh. that, that is kind of like, oh, I, I don't know how I feel. like, Or I'm freaked out. Stock market hit a, you know, an all-time high. It's like, well, yeah, it does that all the time, just you know. Um you know I was I was sharing with you earlier that I had a discussion recently with a group of employees at a, a company where we do work for the owners of the business and for the employees and um interestingly enough I said I can't tell you where the next 20% move in the stock market is going to be because I just don't have a crystal ball right nobody does but I said I can say with confidence I know where the next 100% move in the market's going to be, and it's not going to be down to zero, right? So if it is, there would would be like we'd be talking about an apocalyptic apocalyptic event, right? Correct, correct. So, But anyway, that's that's kind of the general, you know, how do you feel about your investments in terms of the touchy-feely, like what best describes your investment goals? I have some different unique return scenarios we'd go through. I want to find out what the person's knowledge is in the financial markets. You know, if somebody says on a scale of one to ten, Amy, are you a one? Are you a nine? Are you a ten? Right? So how how knowledgeable is that person? Because that gives them that affects their attitude. And then you know, back in in two thousand seven, uh, it was October, June of October. Excuse me, June and October we kind of have similar points in two thousand and seven. We hit a high, mm-hmm. and then in March of two thousand nine we hit a low. The stocks dropped about fifty percent. So the question is, I actually asked the question, what'd you do then? Mm-hmm. Tell me, did you did you sell? Did you hold? Did you continue just to buy if you were buying or were you looking for additional buying opportunities along the way to try to take advantage of the fact that the market was just being obliterated, mm-hmm. right? So that's an example. And the last question really is how much risk are you willing to take? Give me a, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most aggressive one being the most risky or least risky, most conservative. So the, just those eleven questions we go through, and that just that discussion helps me get a better idea. Okay, where is that person?
3: Well, I just remember when the pandemic first hit and the Dow went to around twenty five thousand, and we asked you, "What are your what are your, what should we do?" You said, "Well, we don't want to buy, or we don't want, want we don't want to sell on the lowest day,
2: right." It's the only supermarket where people never want to buy when it's on sale, right? That's a stock market, right? So, yeah. But we're looking for sale days. So, you know, opportunities are there. And, uh, you know, the the future is bright. In my opinion, I think there's opportunity to, to have people still make money, even though we're at an all-time high, similar to
1: your real your real right. estate. Yeah. Well, if you want David Stone on your team, and he would be a superb person to be on, on your financial planning team, give me a call. 530-431-8586. Again, 530-431-8586. We'll be right back
0: after this break, so please stay tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Ray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Gray. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening
1: to The Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. And that was Amy Debus laughing in the microphone as I was trying to talk because she always makes fun of me.
3: Never a dull moment.
1: (laughs) I also want to just kind of hit that if you have any questions and uh, you um, forgot the number, you can always go to our webpage, thegoldenstatereport.com. You'll find all of our faces. Unfortunately, mine's on there too. Uh, but you'll see Amy. You'll see David, and we also have our personal contact number. And, and some have podcasts of the shows. You can also catch our show on a weekly podcast, right, Amy?
3: Yes, we are on iTunes and we Spotify. Are, yes, and SoundCloud. Apple yeah.
1: Apple Podcast. Yeah, that oh. means we are almost famous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're legends in Facebook. our own mind. All right, well, during this segment, I have a great, great uh, treat for our audience. We have a new show partner that's going to be joining us beginning in um, this next month, and that's the Beach and O'Neill Insurance Associates, and Renee Inman is going to be their spokesman for our radio show. Welcome, Renee.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it is so great to have you here because we always have talked about – You know, sometimes we have insurance questions, and we say, well, we got to get somebody on the show to answer some of those questions. And now we are going to have a resident homeowners insurance expert on our show. All
4: right. Thank you.
1: So tell me about um, Beach and O'Neill Insurance Associates. How how long have they been around? Where are they located?
4: So Beach and O'Neill Insurance is an independent insurance agency, and we are um, on Greenback in San Juan in Citrus Heights. Okay. And uh, we've been in business for about 60 well, 65 years actually. Wow. Locally. That's
1: almost as old as Dave. <laughs> We're getting there.
4: <laughs> and overall, um, I've been, I celebrate my 11th year tomorrow. So, yeah, year. Okay. yes. Okay. And so a lot of us have worked there 10 plus years. We've mm-hmm. had people there working there 30 years. Really? So, yeah, it's a great place to work.
1: Okay, so um, if, you, if you're going to kind of describe, you know, you just said it was a great place to work. But what are some of the other characteristics that you think about it when you think of Beach uh, and O'Neill Insurance?
4: Um, I think initially when I started, I noticed uh, the owners are three brothers. Mm-hmm. So it's a family business. okay. And everything that we handled for all of our, our, our clients was done with integrity. So everything was done the right way. They take a long time to teach you to do things the correct way, mm-hmm. which other places I've worked prior, you just are taught to do a task and you don't know why and you just do it and that's mm-hmm. okay. it. Okay. They actually consultatively sell to you and make you understand what you're doing. Okay. So.
1: And now there have been, especially in rural property, there has been significant, significant changes in homeowners insurance in the last four or five years, mainly because of... You know the climate change fire dangers and the fires that we have had in California, which have you know really caused uh, quite a bit of a consternation. I'm sure it's affected your industry too
4: oh totally it it has and it and mostly um with us as an agency, we have to be able to you know put the client's hand in the hand of the insurance company and if there are non-renewals that are happening, we're getting to them 30, 60, 90 days ahead of time okay. just to prepare them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the California Fair Plan, even though it's a it's a wonderful tool uh, for people in the foothills to use, mm-hmm. it does ha- it's a government agency, so it does have a tendency <laughs> uh, to be a little prickly and painful to work with. Right. Uh, but all in all, it's been a Pretty positive experience, given okay. the state.
1: So now, as a realtor, I know what the California uh, Fair Pay Plan is. And also, if you're a homeowner in a rural area, you probably know. But give me a brief description of what that program is and why it's there.
4: So the California Fair Plan is an insurance, an all-encompassing insurance policy that helps clients in high-brush areas.
1: High-fire areas.
4: High-fire areas to secure homeowners insurance. Um so you have the California Fair Plan, and then you have the RAP policy that goes with it, that mirrors an actual homeowners policy, mm-hmm. and that's coverage for uh, home buyers that do not have insurance options with other preferred companies. Correct. Yes,
1: I know. Um, you know, I, I live in Cool, California, kind of rural area up there, so I, I face this dilemma every year. But when I bought this property and we moved there in 2015, that was just six years ago. I probably had 20 insurance companies I could call, you know, to get me a quote. And the quote, you know, is probably what I thought would be normal, roughly maybe $100 a month. Good old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and now, <laughs> now, to be honest, I, every, when my renewal date comes up, the 1st of November every year, about September, I get really, really nervous. Am I going to be one of the homeowners that does not get renewed? Uh, am I going to have to find a different insurance policy? And I do know when I help buyers buy in the rural environment, sometimes there's only two, not 15 to 20, two or three. If I'm lucky, that would be even willing to quote. Now, is, Am I, am I seeing something abnormal or is that just kind of a, the way the rules are today?
4: That's the way the rules are. There used to be back in the day – There used to be the surplus When I was young. Yes. (laughs) In the olden days.
1: (laughs) 2015 is now the olden
4: days. (laughs) (laughs) The Lloyds of London, the Lexington, Scottsdale, all of those insurance companies, no problem Mm -hmm. would pick up a home out there. Uh, Now, when those companies, they're, you know, they no longer were able to Mm -hmm. write in those areas, uh, the California Fair Plan came in. And I do think, though, long-term, the California Fair Plan, they they have been in a position, they've been forced also. So it used to be a, a last resort Correct. to use Fair Plan. Right. And now California Fair Plan is picking up a good percentage of those. So it's kind of like what we're dealing with right now is that all the kinks are kind of working out. And I think working with a good insurance brokerage And being able to uh, talk to somebody that has experience working with them and uh, knows how to get you what you need, I think that that's the best place for you to be in even as a homeowner out Mm -hmm. there. You have options. Even if it's not with us, um, there's somebody that will write it. And also other agents aren't writing them the same. So Mm -hmm. they should be written the same. We're finding that they're not. So it's always nice to kind of see other people's quotes to see how they're doing it.
1: Yeah, when it comes to insurance, I learned this a long time ago, make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Absolutely. And oftentimes it's apples to grapefruit, Mm -hmm. apples to plums, and it's just completely different. And, you know, like I'm sure that our listeners are a lot like me. I know I need insurance. I am never going to read that policy. All right. I'm going to trust upon the person who's going to help me get the insurance to make sure I have the correct coverage.
4: Well, that's right, and that's smart. I know some people just look at the bottom line and they look at the number. Um, so, what I was saying was, you have to compare apples to Correct, apples. Right. So, ordinance of law coverage, debris removal, all of that kind of stuff needs to be added onto a policy, or the the homeowner needs to know that it is or isn't mm-hmm. there.
1: Yep, and there there are new laws that are becoming into effect too about how, about fire clearance and brush clearing for all r- rural mm-hmm. property. And so insurance is becoming kind of a, a big issue for a lot of the people who are listening to our show. And so that's why I am so happy that, you, Renee, you're, you're joining us and your firm, Beach and O'Neill Insurance Associates, are going to be one of our, our partners and we'll be able to answer you, answer, ask you all these tough questions. And you're going to have answers that are going to make our listeners happy. (laughs) I'm so happy to be
4: here. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're great. And and it's great to have you as part of our team. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you have been listening to the Golden State Report. It's heard every week on AM 1380 FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray. I am so grateful that you have chosen to tune us in this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Any questions, you give me a call. 530-431-8586. Again, have a great week, everyone.